Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Welcome today, Jim Robinson and Joy Glasser from Minneapolis, Minnesota, but different locations. Good morning, Jim. Morning. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And hi, Joy. Hello. Yes, thanks for having me, too. Oh, it's so great to have you here. I was introduced to you, Jim, through Amy Selim. And uh, Joy and I have a connection. We both went to NYU. And that's where I got my social work degree. And that's where you got your fine arts degree, right, at Tisch? Yes, yes. Wonderful school. So, um, you know, in improv, there's a game called Give and Take. It's a Spolin game. And we have to be conscious of... Um, you know, giving space or taking taking the focus or giving the focus. And since there's three of us, we'll really be using that skill today. But I'm so I'll ask one person a question, but you can always jump in. Like I'm gonna start with Joy, but Jim can jump in, right? And just yes. feel free. So Joy, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got on the track of being a coach and you studied improv and a, a little bit about your journey. Okay, so um, I'm writing it down so I can stay on track here. So coach and (laughs) (laughs) as you mentioned, my undergrad is from Tisch, and then I went on for master's in teaching. And from there, um, studied life coaching, um, and then moved that into executive coaching. And I work primarily now with Um, executives in the arts and also physicians. So along the way, I would say, what, Jim, about 10 years ago, I met Jim. Um, He was performing uh, with a a group um, and backstage we met. And I said, here's a guy I want to work with. And um, along, along my journey, too, I had taken some improv classes I am nowhere near the ability of Jim, but I understand the rules. It's getting my mind and body to do it. So um, that's that's my journey in a nutshell. Great. And Jim, do you have a different story about how you met Joy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fairly true. Yeah, I'm still am with a group called the Theater of Public Policy, and we were doing a. We were doing a show and I, it was a an education conference of some sort um and joy had joy is underplaying her part she she was a speaker there and she was great and um afterwards we were hanging out and, and we started to talk and um i was i had been uh even though i was never tenured because i had to have my booming showbiz career um i was giving up my full-time teaching to try to make a living as a freelancer and um I talked to Joy about if I could, you know, talk to her and work with her a little bit about how to figure out a way to have a career that was um, 
more flexible. So that's how that's how I met Joy. Yeah, so, yeah. A, gig, a gig worker. That's what I am. We're yeah, gig workers, right? All of us. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and your story. And you, you're a PhD psychologist, right? Well, I'm a PhD uh, with a degree in counseling psych, but and I did pass the um, EPPP, the the uh, psych licensing exam. Yes. Never. Be, I'll tell you. I'll I'll tell you why that happened. Um, it's all good. No, I, I grew up in California and. Um, I went to UCLA for undergrad for English. Then I got a master's in English in, at, at Tulane in New Orleans. And um, then I taught in the uh, junior college system in Los Angeles. And while I was doing that, I went to school at night at USC for counseling psych. Um, and the year I turned 30, which was in 1989, I thought I have to do something else. I have to do something different. And so um, I went to a, an improv class that was run by a woman named Cynthia Segetti. It was she was through the groundlings um and her i didn't know anything i knew nothing but two of her students that she'd had a couple of years prior to me uh were lisa kudrow and um conan o'brien so you know but i didn't know, i knew nothing and so i took these classes and was terrified and you know i would sit in the car out on la cienega and feel sick every night going in because it was so out of my realm even though i'd been a teacher for a while um and then I moved here to the, the cities, to Twin Cities, to do my internship in psych. And I took classes at what was then Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop. And um, it just kind of, everything kind of just moved from there. I eventually got hired to be in their corporate shows. And then I was on their main stage. And they um, they oversaw the Disney Cruise Line casting for a while. So I was on Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was, I, I had tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And the week that I passed the EPPP, the psych licensing exam, was also at about the same time that I got hired to be on the main stage at the workshop. And I thought, nope, I'm going to do this instead. And so I taught, I still do teach, I te still teach a lot, but I, I taught at two universities here during the day and then uh, worked at night at the workshop. And it was it was a wonderful way to go. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, Joy, what about your improv journey in your first improv class? Uh, besides being terrified? Yeah, well, that's normal. For a lot. I hate the word normal, but yeah. that's pretty typical yeah. of a lot of yeah. people. Right. Um, so I, I I took a improv class, I think it was six weeks, uh, learned uh, quite a bit about personally where I wasn't showing up, what I was holding back, and how to play, how to play with others. Um, so oh, where, a few where, did you, where did yeah. you take your first class? Who was your teacher? Do you remember? Chris Campo. Chris Campo. And then I went on and learned from Jim. Help me out. Um, I'm passing the ball. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful Jen Scott. Who is it? Jen Scott. I, she was fabulous. Well, so was Chris. But then I went on. Yeah to learn from John Scott. Um, and yeah. And tell me a little bit about your career path. You went to Tisch, then you got your, you got a master's. In teaching and I taught English as a second language. Yes, cool. at a junior high, senior high school. Um, enjoyed teaching, uh, did not enjoy all the 
red tape that was involved with it and all the bells that were ringing and timing uh, using the restroom in between all of that. Um, so nonetheless, I studied during that time coaching. Um, yeah. And you've got a wonderful coaching uh, business, coaching executives, yes. and wonderful. Yes. And I, I know that our listeners are going to follow all the links that I publish about the work that both of you are doing. So uh, did you ever study at Brave New Workshop, Joy? I did. I did. And did you yeah. meet Dudley? He sounds like such an incredible character, Dudley, no? No. I was simply a student struggling to learn the basics, yes. And then meeting Jim and creating is really where um, I started stepping more into the application, the applied improv yes. piece. So yeah. I'm not so much on on stage. I, I prefer the light being on Jim for that. Yes. Ah, uh, uh. <laughs> now, Jim and and Joy, either one of you, tell me about what was there like an aha moment when you met together? There was some kind of mind meld going on, and you thought, "Wow, this could really be a great collaboration team." I'll, I'll go first, but Joy. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, we, you know, we've been working for about a year or so, um, you know, try, again, just trying to figure out how to move away from full-time teaching into a freelance life. And um, I had met, I had met Ron, Joy's husband. He'd come to some of our shows and he was wonderful. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was. And he'd always give me notes after shows and, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, but they were, they were very astute and um, <laughs> I would be talking about her life with Ron and um, I'll let Joy talk about this because this is her, her story to tell. But at one point I said, yeah, it sounds like you're um, using a lot of the improv skills you, you talked about from your work at the Brave New Workshop. And that's sort of how this ball got rolling, at least for me. Right. Right. And that's that. Yes. 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 Right. Yes. And <laughs> I want to get back to Ron, but for now, how, yeah. so what did you start to do together? What was your first collaboration that you did? Do you remember? Oh, oh, first collaboration was before Ron um, through um, through the work I do with physicians. I had asked Jim, if he would like to collaborate and do a workshop uh, for staff in, in neurology at the county hospital. So we had a lot of fun with that. We also worked with uh, the chief department, no, the department chairs um, and did a little workshop. And, and, and currently for family medicine, we've done a few. Um, and just last week with the residents of family medicine. Uh, they learned and had a great time and it's wonderful bonding. Um, so that's that's the most current with the improv. But it was um, when Jim said, Joy, you're already doing improv with Ron, who was diagnosed with dementia of uh, 2017. It hit me like a ton of bricks that... It 
it had just followed me. I said, Jim, we have to do something with this. There's so many people in my position where there's the tension, the arguing, the making wrong, the how do I get through this? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a, a loved one here, but the relationship has shifted and I don't know how to do this. You know, caregivers are given a checklist. Here are the things to do. Here's what you don't do. Here's to watch out for. And then you call 911, make sure you have your pulse. You know, what's everything in between all of right, that? Right. Yeah. And you wrote a beautiful piece called On Second Thought. sorry, when uh, Ron was diagnosed and really warned people that at certain signs, you know, go ahead and get it checked out. Don't be fearful of it and get it checked out. And so you're a great advocate for families and persons with dementia. I understand that. And Jim, you are as well. Well, through joy. Yeah. Um, It's been, yeah, it's been really wonderful being part of this world. And um, yeah, I, I, through the workshop, I was able to do a lot of, um, I created some workshops that you'd be familiar with, uh, working with people with anxiety and um, stage fright and depression, using improvisation as ways to to manage that. Um, and a lot of it did apply to the stuff that, that Joy was talking about, particularly, you know, so many caregivers, and again, I've learned all of this through Joy, uh, but so many caregivers, they feel like they're doing everything wrong and they get overwhelmed and they begin to doubt themselves and um, have these very punishing internal thoughts and um, improv is a great way to, you know, like, like they say, let go of your story, let go of your story, keep grounding yourself in the moment. And um, so, yeah, that's been, it, it's been a nice fit, I think. Exactly. Being in, <clears throat> sorry, being in the moment is so important for everybody, but especially people living with the challenges of dementia, because things are changing all the time. So it's it's so wonderful what you're doing. And Jim, were you an ordinary people? Or did you do a show about ordinary people? I, I, I did meet Judith Guest, the author of Ordinary People. Um, there's a wonderful improviser in the Twin Cities called Jill Bernard, who runs huge. Yes, TV. yes. Oh, she oh, was yeah. wonderful. I did, I, I did take my son. Um, yeah. To the Amazing. class with Jill, and she was fabulous. We learned so much. That was, I think, three years ago. Fabulous. Yes. Jill's a genius. So she put together yeah. a show called yeah. Ordinary People, but not. And I played the Judd Hirsch. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> character. It was a, and uh, Jim Detmar, who was, uh, who was with the Brave New Workshop as their artistic director. And um, uh, just there were four of us. And then, um, Jill played this sort of, you know, omniscient voiceover character. And so we would would reconstruct that book every night. And um, Judith Guest actually came and um, watched. Oh, Oh my goodness. It was not. No, it was not the movie. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, just as an aside, Judd Hirsch is now 86 and up for an Oscar. And isn't that fabulous? Yes, wonderful. Because a lot of people feel, well, if I get when I get older, I'm going to have dementia. It's just a fact, and that's not true. We know that there's neuroplasticity in the brain, and that there's activities like improv to improve the brain functioning. So, Jim, I know you're a wonderful storyteller as well. Or, and do you get your material from real life events, or do you create them from fictional ideas? 
It's almost always from real life. Um, my partner, Dennis Curley, and I own a theater called Table Salt Productions, and we do yearly yes. storytelling events. In fact, I, I think you've been to a couple of them, Joy. And um, we usually, we, we the first one was called Fluid. And so after that, every title has to begin with the letter F. So it's been very tempting to uh, go in <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's hysterical. But we we usually um so we will get friends of ours, most of them whom are improvisers, and um, to write stories and we we present them with music and then we uh we connect it with a um some sort of fundraiser. So we've done we've done work with uh you know um for example Racis, which is a it's R A I C E S, which is an organization that help children at the border. Um we've done things for Wonderful local ecological groups we've uh we're going to be doing i think and uh, this is the big debut of this idea for the eight people who show up it's we're, we're doing something called fiction this year um and it's going to be uh to to promote uh literacy and also to combat book banning absolutely that's one of them and i live in florida and you know my state is one of the absolute worst in terms of really almost everything, but um, enough about that. So Joy, how do people find you? Do you, Is it ref, um, referrals and how do they find you and ask you and, and Jim to do something together? It is referral uh, based. Uh, I've been very fortunate. And um, you, you so up to this point, um, I would, just say, hey, Jim, let's go do this. <laughs> I'm going to create that. You want to do it? And he says, yes. So he's very willing. Uh, so we do have a number of things, uh, different pieces that are, are going on for us right now. Yeah. For example, it's February. Today's February 20th. The podcast will come out a little bit later. But what's on your calendar for the next few weeks that project you're doing together? Um, well, we uh, last week met with Dr. Sue Borson, who lives in California, um, and she's a geriatrician who created the Minicog. Um, I'm sorry, what was that? The, she created the what? Minicog, the Minicog uh, test. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I call I, it MMSE. Is that what you're talking about? MMSE? I, I don't know. I just we know the, the, the clock the and clock, yeah, yeah. That, that she created that. So I've been in, I've been meeting with her monthly. Um, wow. And she's very supportive of our work. And we just met with her uh, last week. So Jim and I are finishing up a little uh promo video so we're adding more photos from the last workshop and doing some more voiceovers um we have an email out to our literary agent to find out there's a publisher interested in in our proposal and what else do we have oh and the aacc in july we're waiting to hear back on that. We did it last year in Chicago. That is, that is what? Um, yes, Jim, that is what? It's the the American Association of Clinical Chemists, which yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> when I tell people that we did a workshop at the American Association 
of clinical chemists, they they always say you. Um, because <laughs> and, 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 and people ask, they say to me, what? Yeah. You, yes. <laughs> Why? Yeah. But we, that we actually were down, we were in Chicago last summer and um, yeah. we did a workshop along with uh, Sarah Love and it was, a, yes. it was a, on communication largely in, um, you know, clinical settings. And it was, I thought it was a, but it was a blast. I thought it, we, uh, and we had a good time. It, it was a blast. And Sarah Love is a toxicologist. And once we figure out um, Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, we'll have a link for Sarah, too. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. this brave new world, the strange new world we're navigating today, isn't it? Now, yes, uh, Jim, you were a Fulbright scholar. Is that correct? Can you share? Oh, I'm sorry. Don't apologize. And I love it when you smile and laugh. You've got such an expressive <laughs> face. So uh, explain the Fulbright connection, if you don't mind, because there's a video up with somebody that you met via that. Right. Um, I was a Fulbright specialist, um, and that's different from a Fulbright scholar. A Fulbright specialist, in, in my case, um, you create a project and then you uh, associate through the Fulbright organization um, with somebody in, a, in another country, and then they help you bring this project to life. So it's, uh, I worked with a, an amazing theater in Islamabad, Pakistan called Theater Wale. Um, and I brought there, first of all, I learned so much through them. They were incredible. But I, I brought improvisation to them and taught them how to teach mostly short form, put on two, two of the funniest, most ridiculous shows you've ever seen in your life. And then uh, went down to Lahore, Pakistan, and worked with a group called Olamopolo Media and did some um, improv and anxiety workshops through them. They've been fantastic. And at the moment, and I, I don't, I don't want to jinx this, but I'm applying for a, a grant for State Department grantees. The Fulbright is, is funded by the State Department partially. Um, hoping to go back to Pakistan if my mother hears this, mom, you're finding this out. Sorry. <laughs> but um, to go back and then work with uh, some some therapy training uh, organizations using improvisation as a way to do oh, it. Wonderful. It's, it's fascinating. And also, um, Joy knows this, but I've also been teaching at the uh, um, Asian University for Women in Chittagong, Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to do a lot of stuff in South Asia wonderful you know oh wonderful that is terrific and you have a great translator i'm sure unless you speak mandarin <laughs> no they, actually they speak urdu in pakistan and bengali in oh, oh. but um yes i do and and again i, I was working with a theater that did, did for me at least primarily um english work however we did um you know improv we did short form where they would they would be speaking in Urdu, and I can I can count to five and identify animals and and fruits in Urdu. Um, but I would <laughs> I would be the director, you know, in for example, like a stop scene or um, a, yeah. a computer, and I didn't know I had no idea what they were saying, um, but I would just try to follow their uh, their emphasis and their body language, and it was, you know, I, I ended up looking like uh, the idiot, but it was the I, and it was the best time. They were great. It was wonderful. Well, I love looking like an idiot. That's my goal in life, to look like an idiot. <laughs> it, it's a worthy goal. 
a worthy goal and a high aspiration. And to make my partner look brilliant. So what year were you in Islamabad? Um, I was there in 2018 and 2019. I got wow. to go three, three times, which was wow. great. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That is wonderful. Jim is a fabulous improviser and a fabulous teacher. So I have to throw that in. I absolutely love working with him. Very kind. I, I want to work the... with him. I, yeah. But you, but you live in a very cold place. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting back-to-back uh, -back snowstorms here. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. one more thing that, that Jim and I are working on that uh, you had asked what's in our near future here. Uh, we're going to book a time to um, uh, really put together our website, which will be applied dash improv.com so wonderful now you're putting familiar. that out there that is now you're yeah. familiar with the applied improv network i'm sure and uh so applied dot yeah that's terrific i didn't realize i was doing applied improv but when i discovered mm -hmm. improv i saw the therapeutic benefits right away it was an instant connect yeah. I was kind of older, much older when I got into improv. Uh, and you can be any age and get into it, absolutely. Now, Joy, I wanna hear a little bit more. Where where did you grow up and um, what, what led you on your path? I grew up in Minneapolis and oh. yeah. So, and what led me on my, my path was the opportunity I had um when i was accepted into nyu um i was there so i'm not I sure was, where yeah I was, I was there in 83 when were you at nyu 84 oh 84. all right so we yeah. just missed each other of course i was at yes, square campus uh getting my msw were you at Washington yeah. Square then, or was Tish at a different yeah. location? I think no, Tish, Tish was, we had old buildings all, you know, scattered yeah. throughout. If, if you're ever on Bleecker and McDougal, I tended bar there as well, so. You did, okay. Just an interesting <laughs> fact about me, because after all, this is yes. all about me, right, Jim? <laughs> so, was, was uh, had you been to New York before, or was it kind of a culture shock coming from Minneapolis? It was a thrilling culture shock, and I blended in. I no longer felt uh, awkward or out of place. That's when I realized more of how I fit in uh, on the East Coast. And so when I moved back, I was able to uh, borrow from the East Coast, blend it with the Midwest, and it, it works in my coaching, too, um, as well as the improv. So, I mean, there's, there's many clients, what, what will do many improv um, moments. So if, if a client shows up and says, oh, I just messed up, it was horrible. And they share what just happened. Well, I'll use that as an opportunity to let's replay it. How did you want it to go? Right. I'll play you, you know, and so we play with moments. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. New York is absolutely the best city in the world. I'm studying with Aretha Spolin Sells and of course, Viola Spolin. I understand that going back to Brave New Workshop that Dudley had studied with Viola down in Chicago. So you were probably trained as well in Spolin technique. Well, I, yes, the first year I was here, um, I just took classes at, at Dudley Riggs and a group of us, we, we went through the, the three units together. And then we went to Paul Sills camp in um, Northern Wisconsin for a week. Wow. I was, I was there this summer, Door County. Yeah. Oh, it was one of the best weeks of my life. And um, I'm still, uh -huh. I'm still friends with people that, that were in that class. And uh, he was, we did, Paul, Paul is no longer with us. Right. I call, how dare I call him Paul? I mean, he was Paul Sills, but he, uh, he was an amazing teacher um, mm. and not a, not a gentle teacher at all. That's what I've heard. <laughs> he, he was very um, direct. And um, if he didn't like what you were doing, he would stop it. Uh, but he, what we did in that, that week, the thing that I took away from it, apart from having a, a wonderful time is he would never allow you to do anything that wasn't absolutely in the moment. You couldn't bring in backstories. You couldn't even really reference anybody who wasn't on stage. Yes. Uh, yes. That, that focus, which I find uh, it was, it was difficult, but so instructive. I mean, it was really helpful with improv and my favorite story of that is we did a show at the end. He would bring his friends to that beautiful, right. Uh, performing space it's, it's like a barn that doesn't you it know, is a barn it's a barn <laughs> and um he wasn't he'd set aside an hour for it and they had refreshments and all all that stuff and about 35 minutes into our class performance he walks out on stage and i was with a, my friend brian kirby and we were doing some uh -huh. horrible stage with which involved a helicopter and too much space work which was really indistinct and uh Paul Sills walked up and he said, sometimes it doesn't work. Let's have dessert. And so he, he <laughs> show short. but, but I don't know for some, I don't know why that didn't, it didn't bother me. I thought he was, I thought he was a great instructor. Such yeah. a genius. So brilliant. Both, you know, his mother and himself. I mean, what he did in taking improv to different levels and story theater, just wonderful, just yeah, terrific. He was he was really and he was he was very nice one-on-one uh, -on -one. um and it wasn't that he wasn't well he wasn't nice he wasn't nice but he was so focused it, it really brought the class together i loved it i right. loved it well that's another thing you and i have in common we've both been at the barn i studied with carol and rachel sills last summer what an experience that was and the history there was like wow yeah. so joy um, tell me a little bit more about, if you don't mind, your personal story of living with someone with dementia. I know your husband, Ron, is gone now. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he was right. just a great person. So, so when I was explaining before about with clients, the redo, right? Like, oh, no, I just did that. Um, and the forgiveness in that moment of okay how did how do you want it to play out um is a place that jim and i look at we work with um and we we i'm, I'm looking at the uh, improv for wellness behind you and what really uh jumps out to me is the wellness how how 
we can feel healthy and good and self-care as a caregiver to give that to our loved one or the patient. Um, so Jim, Jim and I actually came up with a model um, around wellness with improv uh, for dementia caregivers. Um, so I'd love, a, I'd with, love a copy of yeah. that. I'd love a copy of that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Show it up again. Let me see it yeah. again, Joy. Yes. It's not copywritten yet, but this is really what our uh, proposal is about, you know, and it's improv based. Absolutely. It's terrific. I know I work with a lot of care partners of uh, dementia, Parkinson's, other uh, disease, other things under the dementia umbrella. And what's so challenging is when they start to lose their frustration tolerance, their ability to tolerate you know, the repetition, the loved one with the dementia keeps saying the same thing over and over again, or they do, they just reach their boiling point and they get angry. And I was the care partner for my father who had Parkinson's and then something called Lewy body dementia. Yeah. And I know there were a few times where I lost it. I, I you know, plain and simple. I just got so frustrated yeah. with him. We, we do, uh, we do lose it. And to be able to forgive yourself for that and say, okay, yeah. you're a human being and it's okay. But there was a, a lot of humor in what he did and said as well. Um, he was an airline pilot for Pan Am and uh, he was wheelchair bound at this point. And he would tell my husband to get his uh, black shoes. Those were the shoes he wore when he flew. And uh, my husband would look for black shoes for him. And then another funny story was when he would uh, go, he would roll to the door that led into the garage and he, and he kind of kept rolling into it. And I said, dad, what's going on? I said, just open the door. I got to fly out to the field. I have a trip today. And he flew yeah. out to Kennedy. And those things were, you know, kind of funny, sad in a way, but also funny. And he, he loved to laugh too. And so finding yeah. that moment of laughter and recognizing this isn't the person we knew, but this is the disease talking. Yes. Yes. It's, that's very true. And I think grounding ourselves in those improv moments is about the self-care. Um, so when, when you asked about Ron, this is exactly, you know, the, the places that, that Jim and I worked on. Um, so uh, starting with acknowledge, moving into curiosity, opportunity, choice um, is, is the model that we really uh, ground ourselves in. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now you spoke about your book earlier, Jim, is the title gonna start with an F? Ah. <laughs> well, now it has to, yeah. Um, <laughs> our title at the moment is Being There, um, and it's about being present for the, and, and we've been struggling with this, whether to call the person a patient or a loved one. And so we're, we're going with patient at the moment. Right. Because it's more encompassing, even though it sounds more clinical. 
Yeah. And it was initially it was called being there at the, the Daily Odyssey uh, for caregivers of dimension, uh, dementia. And that might there that bits of that might remain. Um, but we were trying to walk through the, the different points of the day, uh, what the caregivers would face, you know, the practical things they'd go through and then how you can use improvisation as a way to to uh, not only deal with the person that you're working with, but also to deal with the stuff you all were talking about the feelings of um, frustration or inadequacy or anger or compassion or grief and how improvisation and being in the moment is a way to uh, deal with that. So. I think totally being in the moment. So for example, if the loved one says, you know, I, I, I really want to go to the fair. Sure. We're going to go to the fair. We're just going to have something to eat first. Or, you know, um, I think it's time to bring the clowns in. Yeah. Let's bring the clowns in and just agree with everybody, with everything they say, instead of trying to say, no, what are you talking about? And disagree with them, which only causes them more stress. Now, being in the mental health field, a field, sorry, <laughs> Feld, <laughs> mental health field. Uh, you've done some workshops on improv and anxiety, Jim, and you both have probably. And how do you start out when you're doing Because first of all, for someone to sign up for a class, improv for anxiety, well, they've got anxiety. They're already a little nervous and stressed out. And uh, yeah. signing up for this class is the first big risk they take. But how do you proceed when they come in, Jim? Well, I, it's not that different from how I teach classes normally, and I do teach a lot of improv classes, uh, talking about how improvisation is, um, it's a group activity, and it's its really never about me, and it's never about you. It's about what we create between us, and then always talk about what I think are the three basics of improv, saying yes, and also saying, saying yes and and saying no, if you're diminishing somebody or you're feeling like you are, um, your boundaries are being violated. So no means something that, then talking, Joy and I talk about this a lot about uh, curiosity rather than judgment. And then also yeah. being in the moment and letting each moment inspire you. And whatever moment happens, that's the only moment that can happen because we don't yes. live in the universe. And uh, so you can make the aspiration to believe it's the best possible moment. And then I also, if it's a, say it's a four week class, I don't even use words until week three. So it's all just, it's all physical. It's all connection. And I talk about that. I say, you know, we have to learn ways to uh, recognize when our nervous system is being activated and um, how being in the moment and being physical is one way to dis uh, dispel with some of that anxiety. And um, we talk about the benefits of laughter. We talk about a lot about um, that social engagement stuff of looking at people and sending safety cues. Uh, and then, and we spent a ton of time debriefing. And I also emphasize it's not, this isn't therapy. It's not, you know, I'm not acting, right, right. but these are skills that you can take into the rest of your life. And then once we start using words, um, you know, even simple things like what's in the box or any of those kind of exercises, uh, we talk about why is it so much more difficult once we use words? Because and the reason I think is because we start to judge ourselves so intensely. Mm -hmm. Let me just talk about, yeah, of course you're going to judge yourself. You're not going to, you'll, you're never, you'll never stop, but you can acknowledge it and let it go. So I keep, I just keep the stakes kind of low and um, yeah. really emphasize and, other people. So, And that fits with the dementia work as a caregiver. You can judge it and then let it go. Yeah. Learn 
continue to move on and support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, are you teaching online at all or all in person? Um, it, well, I teach one of the, th thank you, Joy, for these things. But one of the things I do is I teach for the continuing ed program at the U, University of Minnesota. Um, and we've just started going back in person after three years of online. And they're starting, now they're talking about turning it all back to online. And uh, so, yes, I do teach online. Um, and it's okay. It's all right. Well, I'd love to take a class with you and Joy. That would be fun. So you ever do online for just anybody? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. I was, um, I'm going to make a plug for somebody. Dreamland Arts here in St. Paul, a wonderful small theater. And they they give me one night a, a month. I can do whatever I want around improvisation and mental health. And um, we've been doing it in person. It's been, and it's been such a relief That's to do it fabulous. in person. But there's a, a chance that, you know, if, what happens with COVID or, you know, what happens, who knows what this world's going to be like, um, that we're going to go back to online. And I'll certainly let you know. Yeah, please do. And, and Joy, do you ever do things online for the general public or you, your work is basically with the executives and medical community? Right. Executives, medical community, um, unless I'm working with Jim and that's in person. We just did a dementia workshop, um, few weeks ago so but as Jim says you never know maybe we can create something for online that would be super well my life is definitely online I'm in South Florida I started using online teaching before uh getting taught myself before the pandemic I found teachers in Washington State and California and because there wasn't much improv going on here in Naples, I learned from some great masters. And then now I'm just a Zoom, Zoomaholic. I just love using it and I use it with my patients. And uh, it's a tremendous vehicle, I think. I mean, being in person is great. Yes, I love it. But there's also something to be said for these Zoom talks as we're seeing right. today. Yeah. So um, Joy, how I wanna ask you, how has improv changed your life, if it has? Improv has changed my life in terms of professionally, uh, using it with clients, um, personally, uh, out in the world. But I think really importantly, uh, most recently with Ron and dementia, um, being able to be in a space that is riddled with conflict and being able to work through that and really find love and mutual respect, empathy, kindness, uh, which went both ways. Beautiful. From me Beautiful. to Ron and Ron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Jim, I'm going to ask a slightly different question to you because improv has improvisational theater has changed a lot over the past how you started studying 30 years ago did you say 34 years ago 34 years ago and can you comment a little bit on how improv has changed and what you see in the future well one of the things that that i noticed was just a switch from short form to long form when i when I started learning improv, it was all short form. And um, and that could have just been 
the classes that I was in. But at the workshop, when I started there and I started taking classes there in 92, um, we, we did all short form. And it wasn't until uh, Dudley sold the company to um, the new owners that we began to do more Chicago style long form. And I mean, that was that was a huge shift and a remarkable shift. And so um, I do think that that the 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 the, the kind of the, the battle between short and long form is a little bit um, insular. I don't think anyone cares, but it was very interesting to see it, it happening. Um, and then one thing that I had noticed is that improv is becoming more explicitly inclusive and explicitly um, equitable and also more explicitly um, and in a good way cautious around um, being well the only word I can think of is decent I mean yes uh, yes I, I will have students still and I and I kind of understand this who will think that improvisation is a is licensed to say whatever you want and that's not true no. it's, not, it's not about being impulsive and it's certainly not being about right. intentionally offensive Ugh, who, who needs that and um, we see that a lot in public figures who um, are labeled as improvisers when in fact they're just jerks so I yes. do think so it's really nice to, uh, you know it, it's always a, a pendulum you know but I do think it's nice that we're, we're becoming more aware of um always punching up you know trying to um you know challenge the people that do have power or that and you know I'm a white man the people who do have privilege all those you know to challenge that over and over again and to do it more explicitly I think is a is a very positive development you know, when I started improv and I was on a team pretty soon, it was a bunch of white boys, younger, much younger white boys than myself. And that's just not happening as much anymore today, especially with the online ability and the work of so many pioneering improvisers to be inclusive and to really appreciate that. Um, you have both been wonderful guests today and you are both making significant changes and impact on the world. You're heroes on a hero journey like Joseph Campbell, and you're helping people through such difficult times. I, I really want to salute both of you and I admire what you're doing and hopefully the book will come out sooner than later and then you can come back and we'll talk about the book. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you, much, and, and Joy, you're just a delight, and you've got the right name, Joy. What a gift you. your name is. It's just wonderful. So thank you again so much for visiting with us today, and uh, well, people can follow your work, and you're on your websites, etc. that I'll be sharing. And Jim, do you have any last words that you'd like to say for anybody kind of considering improv but maybe feeling too shy what would you say to them um i i was a extraordinarily shy person and i still kind of am and improvisation is is the is a great way to be a, a shy person who has a good time how's that is that all right that's beautiful and enjoy what would you say uh uh, step into learning to be a little more comfortable being uncomfortable and and stretch yourself. It's wonderful. It's a, it's a fun time. It's 
games, exercises. Go have fun. Try it. Great. Well, again, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.